Hey, hey, what's going on with you? I, I, I'm maintaining. How are, how are things with you? No, um, I'm going to do a follow-up from last week. Um, we're going to talk about Led Zeppelin, uh, their practices in the occult, and then I'm going to follow up with the, uh, the Oregon Energy, because uh, apparently the FDA is uh, asking a couple websites to uh, stop selling Oregon-related prog products. So, of course, it, I'll get more in-depth into that, but yeah. usually is. Yep. Yeah.
Alright. Alright, once again you are tuned in to the Morning Star Show featuring your gracious and humble host, Superslot75. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Ra on the Boards, uh, producer extraordinaire Cindy Ashby. Uh, you can also visit us on uh, www.onthewakeofradio.com. Uh, we are also on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher for the replays. Also the call-in number is 678-603-4393. Um, you can find me on YouTube under Superslot75. Merchandise is always available through teespring.com forward slash Superslot. And also, you can also, uh, we're asking if you uh, if you feel the need to do so. If you want to do so, you can also always donate $1, $2, any amount uh, you can, which will go to the website to cover airtime, uh, personalities, all that good stuff. It's a labor of love, but we still live in a costly world. And if you appreciate the free content, please help us to keep the message uncensored and free. You can always donate through PayPal at on the wake up radio at gmail.com. Also, if you like an advertisement slot, please hit us up at uh, on the wake up radio at gmail.com. So, um, as of late, uh, let me see, the FDA, what have they been up to? Let's see, let's see, where is that? Alright, so the FDA, oh no, I'm sorry, the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission is now forcing uh, SD.com to take down ads which contain the crystal, metal, and resin technology known as Organite. Uh, the interesting part is Organite was shown by Wilhelm Reich to, in fact, deactivate nuclear radiation. He was also pursued by the FDA. Now, one must ask themselves, why would the Nuclear Regulatory Commission uh, ask this particular website to stop selling these products? Now, Wilhelm Reich, for those that don't know, is considered to be the father of organ, um, organ technology, even though I first heard of it through uh, the late, great Dr. Uh, Delbert Blair, rest in peace. So, let me just do a quick background on Wilhelm Reich and all his troubles he went through to get us the information as far as organ and organ technology. So, Dr. Wilhelm Reich uh, was born in 1897, uh, still noted historically for his work in psychiatry, psychiatry and psychoanalysis. However, Dr. Reich's work in biophysics has been stricken from the historical record. Let's see, in the mid-1930s, Dr. Reich began noticing an energetic connection that is shared by all living beings and had the clarity of mind to not dismiss the observation as unimportant. Dr. Wright called this energy organ and worked for decades demonstrating its laws and studying its various manifestations. Uh, his work has encompassed 40 years within six countries. Um, his life's work was banned in America and tons of his books and journals burned by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration per bureaucratic decree. Uh, let's see. Prior to his organ organomic research, Dr. Wright had earned an international reputation as a scientist of integrity. One, after he de demonstrated organ energy to Albert Einstein. Okay, so... Okay, 
Wilhelm Reich was born in Austria in 1897 as the son of a wealthy farmer, and as was common at the time, he was homeschooled first by his mother and later by his uh, by a number of tutors. Now, his family had a bunch of dysfunction. So, Reich's family was tragically dysfunctional, and at the age of 13, his mother poisoned herself to flee the abuse of Reich's violently tempered father. Four years later, Reich's father died of pneumonia and financially destitute and lonely. Reich, at 17, ran the farm himself for a short time after his father's death, but the property was destroyed by World War I in 1915. After serving in the Austrian army on the Italian front, Reich began attending classes at the University of Vienna and graduated in 1922 as a doctor of medicine. Uh, while studying for his doctorate, Reich became a protege of Dr. Sigmund Freud uh, and soon became graduating the clinical assistant for Freud's psychoanalytical clinic where he himself became a pioneer in psychoanalysis. Okay. Now, in his book, Character Analysis, 1933, Dr. Wright detailed a biological basis for neurosis and provided a step toward the discovery of the cosmic organ energy. During the years of 1936-1939, Dr. Wright conducted experiments concerning the idea of airborne infection. He showed that microorganisms formed themselves from inorganic material and disintegra disintegrated organic substances. He proved where airborne germs came from and demonstrated that the absurdity of the commonly held air germ theory. It was during these experiments in 1939 that Dr. Wright accidentally discovered radiation particles, which he later named organ. Okay. Um, as he continued to experiment with these bions, he noticed that when he placed live cancer cells next to them, the cells would die. It was during these days of observing these uh, phenomena that Dr. Wright came down with an extreme case of conject conjectivitis, and his eyes became very sensitive to light. He noticed that it affected his eyes the most when he was looking at these vesicles through his microscope. Um, let's see what else. Okay, during the course of his work in the winter of 1939, Dr. Wright also noticed that he had developed a suntan under his clothing. He reasoned he was being exposed to some type of radiation, and it greatly worried him. He used a radium electroscope to test the culture tubes, and it gave no reaction. It took a few weeks for him to realize that his newly noticed radiation that he had named Oregon was present everywhere. So taking his sape of bions into the darkness of the basement when waiting for two hours, he noticed that the, his hair and clothing emitted a blue glimmer, and the room was filled with a hazy, slow-moving gray-blue vapor. Over time, Dr. Wright demonstrated that the organic radiation was the same energy that the sun gave off and that the incandescing and swelling of the sand had released this energy once again from its material state. He was forced to this conclusion by the facts before him, but he admitted having to overcome great emotional reluctance in doing so. Uh, further experiments showed that his ever-present organ would be repelled by metal objects and absorbed by organic material. And by making a box with alternate layers of organic material, such as wool and metal, Reich found that he could accumulate a more concentrated field of organ. He called these boxes organ accumulators, and they played a major role in his experimentations with organ. Now, this is where the, the U.S. gets involved. Nearly 15 years later, the American government made every attempt to wipe the word organ from the English vocabulary by banning the accumulator and destroying Dr. Wright's books. 
Dr. Wright was able to watch Oregon and the various forms it would take on within the accumulator. The forms were labeled uh, a bluish-gray fog-like formation, deeply blue-violet luminous dots, and whitish rapid rays. He was also able to demonstrate and measure Oregon with a thermometer and electroscope as well as a Geiger counter. Okay. Okay. So, for example, it's not that Oregon is radioactive, but in the case of a Geiger counter's reaction to an Oregon concentration, it may seem that way. In actuality, the concentration of Oregon likely changes the properties of the gas in the Geiger counter's high voltage tube, causing the gas to behave differently like ice behaves differently than water or steam. And thus the Geiger counter acts as if something radioactive was present. This is the common problem that's often unlooked, overlooked uh, consideration when analyzing experiments that involve psychic energy such as psychokinesis. Uh, did the psychic's mind influence the actual thermometer that's buried 50 feet below or vice versa? Okay. What astounded Dr. Wright was that the fact that for over 2,000 years the presence of this organ energy was overlooked and argued away whenever a scholar attempted to describe what he saw. What Dr. Wright discovered is nothing short of an energy responsible for the biological pulsation of life on Earth. Okay. Rather than embracing Dr. Wright's discovery, the collective politically motivated scientific community responded with levels of anger and derision that bordered on hatred. Rather than conducting their own investigations, and furthering the knowledge of organ energy for the betterment of mankind, the scientific community led the charge to destroy any documents that even mentioned the word organ. Okay. Okay. I'm getting to where they really went after him. Okay. In his book, Cancer Biopathy, in 1948, Dr. Wright recreates his carefully documented work regarding the treatment of several cancer patients deemed hopeless and terminal by orthodox medicine. Several of his cancer patients were cured, but being the careful man of science he was, Dr. Wright was careful not to declare organ treatment as a cure for cancer. After a lengthy harassment campaign by the FDA over the medical use of organ that began in the 1940s, uh, subsequently Dr. Wright died in prison in 1957. All of his books and papers were by federal decree burned up to up through 1962, even further on to 1970. The government of the United States has declared that organ did not exist, and organ was the only word that was necessary to appear in print to qualify the material as worthy of destruction. Okay, during the course of his varied organ experiments, Dr. Wright touched upon many aspects of science. Among these, the disciplines of medicine, physics, cosmology, and meteorology. He discovered at atmospheric organ and noticed that in the presence of pollutants of various kinds, including electromagnetic emissions, the organ would become stagnant and cause illness and environmental damage. Dr. Wright called this stagnant organ or dead organ. The effects of dead organ would often be that the drought and the formation of deserts. To counter the effects of dead organ, Dr. Wright added long pipes to an organ accumulator box and pointed it skyward to help balance the atmospheric organ and bring rain. He called this device a cloud buster. In one experiment in 1954 in October, Dr. Wright was, was successful in bringing rain to the desert around Tucson, Arizona. Even before the rain fell, 
the newly balanced Oregon had caused the grass to grow a foot tall in the desert. This... Oh, never mind that text. Okay, this green spectacle stretched some 40 to 80 miles to the east and north of that city. Um, let's see. Okay, okay, I'm moving on, moving on. Bear with me. Okay. Moving on, power teacher. Nope, nope, nope. Nope, 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 nope. Nope. Okay, so now let me get into the injunction. So, over the years, the FDA interviewed physicians, the right students, and his patients asking about the organ accumulators. Okay, uh, a professor at the University of Oregon who bought an accumulator told the FDA inspector that he knew the device was phony but found it helpful because his wife sat quietly in it for four hours a day. Um, on 9, June, uh, July 29, 1952, three inspectors arrived at Oregon, Oregon uh, at his house unannounced. Uh, he chased one of them away with a shotgun. Okay, in February of 1954, the United States Attorney for the District of Maine filed a 27-page complaint seeking a permanent injunction under Sections 301 and 302 of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act to prevent interstate shipping of organ accumulators and to ban promotional literature. In a letter to the judge, uh, Dr. Wright wrote, my factual position in this case as well as in the world of science as today does not permit me to enter the case against the Food and Drug Administration, since such an action would, in my mind, imply admission of the authority of this special branch of the government to pass judgment on primordial, preatomic, cosmic organ energy. I therefore rest the case in full confidence in your hands. Now, the injunction was granted by default on March 19, 1954, the judge ordered that all accumulators, parts, and instructions be destroyed and that several of Wright's books that mention organ be withheld. Uh, now, here's where they pretty much get him, get him locked up. While Wright was in Arizona in May of 1956, one of his associates sent an accumulator part through the mail to another state in violation of the injunction. After an FDA inspector posing as a customer requested it, Reich and another associate, Dr. Michael Silvert, were charged with contempt of court. Silvert had been looking after the inventory of Reich's absence. Reich at first refused to attend court and was later arrested and held for two days until a supporter posted a bail of $30,000. Representing himself during the hearing, he admitted the violation but pleaded not guilty and hinted at conspiracies. During a recess, the judge apparently suggested a psychiatric evaluation to Wright's wife, and, but this was not communicated to Wright. The jury found him guilty on May 7, 1956, and he was sentenced to two years' imprisonment. Silver was sentenced to one year and a day, and the Wilhelm Wright Foundation was fined $10,000, and the accumulators and associated literature were to be destroyed. All right, so now we're going to get to the book burning part. Now, on June 5, 1956, two FDA officials arrived at his residence to supervise the destruction of the accumulators. Most of them had been sold by that time, and another 50 were with Silver in New York. Only three were at his, at his home. 
the FDA agents were not allowed to destroy them, only to supervise the destruction. So Reich's friends and his sons, Peter, chopped them up with axes as the agents watch. Uh, okay. On June 26, the agents returned to supervise the destruction of the promotional material, including 251 copies of Reich's books. Uh, let's see. Um, something else, something else. Okay, August 23rd, six tons. Six tons of Reich's books, journals, and papers were burned in New York in, a, in an incinerator, the public incinerator that's located on 25th Street. The materials included copies of several of his books, including The Sexual Revolution, Character Analysis, and The Mass Psychology of Fascism. Even though these books had been published in Germany before Reich ever discovered Oregon, uh, they also burned the English editions. Okay, uh, okay, 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 okay. So now we get into his imprisonment. Uh, Reich appealed the lower court's decision in October 1956, but the Court of Appeals upheld it on December 11th. He wrote several times to J. Edgar Hoover for requesting a meeting and an eventual pardon, and which was decided on February 25, 1957, to not review the case. On March 12, 1957, Reich and Silver were sent to Danbury Federal Prison. Silvert committed suicide in 1958 of May, five months after his release. Um, okay... Okay, on March 19th, Reich was transferred to the Lewisburg Federal, Federal Penitentiary and examined again. This time it was decided that he was mentally competent and that his personality seemed intact, though he might be become psychotic when stressed. Uh, he applied for a presidential pardon in May to no avail. His son visited him, visited him in prison a few times. Uh, let's see. Okay, his death. Uh, Reich failed to appear for roll call on November 3rd, 1957 and was found at 7 a.m. in his bed, fully clothed but for his shoes. The prison doctor said he had died during the night of myocardial insufficiency with sudden heart failure. He was buried at, his, at a vault in his home that he asked his caretaker to dig in 1955. He left instructions there not to that there be no religious ceremony, but that a record should be played of Schubert's Ave Maria, sung by Marian Anderson, and that his granite headstone should simply read, Wilhelm Reich, born March 24th, 1897, died uh, November 3rd, 1957. Okay, so the father of organ energy, basically, yeah, this, he got the Tesla treatment. In so many words, and this is part of why the uh, U.S. Nuclear Re Regulatory Commission kind of wants this stuff off the shelves. All right, so that was just the leadway into the main crux of what we're going to talk about tonight. Now, tonight's part two of the last the last discussion we had re regarding um, the 1960s music and being held by the military. So while the 60s, the hippies movement was going on at the same time. Across the pond, you had groups like the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, and Led Zeppelin also engaging in occultic practices, 
military operations, things of that nature. So what we're going to do real quick is just kind of go into the history of the occult with Led Zeppelin. And for those of you, if you don't know who Led Zeppelin is, I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, let me pull up my notes for Led Zeppelin. Lead, lead, lead. Okay, now, Jimmy Page, the lead guitarist for Led Zeppelin. Now, in his words, he says, and I quote, My interest in the occult started when I was 15. I do not worship the devil, but magic does intrigue me. Magic of all kinds. I read magic in theory and practice when I was about 11 years old. But it wasn't for some years that I missed that I understood what it was all about. Now, Led Zeppelin's connections to the occult uh, basically begin with, begin with Jimmy Page. Uh, Page's interviews are filled with references to uh, Aleister Crowley, Magic, the OTO. Um, at one point, it was said that he was a member of OTO. It had never been verified. Uh, let's see. Now, my notes. Okay, Page has always been a fan of Aleister Crowley since his youth, and as an adult went so far as to buy Crowley's old house at Loch Ness. It's called Boleskine Manor. The house is it's, itself is said to be haunted. According to legend, a church full of parishioners burned down on the spot where the home was eventually erected, and that their souls still turn up on the property from time to time. Let me repeat that again. The house, <laughs> according to legend, a church full of parishioners burned down on the spot where the home was eventually erected and that their souls still turn up on the property from time to time. Holy shit. Okay. In 1976, Page opened up an occult bookstore called the Equinox Booksellers and Publishers on Kensington High Street in London. It remained open for about 10 years and reprinted several of Crowley's books. When asked why he opened up the store, Jimmy said, There was not one bookshop in London with a good collection of occult books, and I was so pissed off not being able to get the books I wanted. Okay. According to those in the know, Jimmy Page has the largest collection of Crowley uh, memorabilia and books in private hands. He owns wands, clothing, books, letters, and various other ritual tools. Uh, while most of Jimmy's friends say that the stuff is kept in, locked up in a vault, uh, singer Michael Disbar said that he and Paige played with it all in one afternoon, even going so far as to dress up in Crowley's robes. Mm. The respect that Paige felt for Crowley rarely turned up in Led Zeppelin, but it did make the wax on Led Zeppelin 3. Early pressings of the album had the words, Do What Thou Wilt engraved into the runoff near the record's label. The cover for In Through the Outdoor features a figure who looks a lot like Aleister Crowley circa 1940. Mm, and besides these two specific instances, the likeness and the words of Aleister Crowley don't feature in the albums of Led Zeppelin. Um, also, like I said before, the image of Crowley also covers the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's uh, Lonely Hearts Club album as well. Uh, let's see. Now, Robert Plant, his connection goes like this. Robert Plant was a hippie. He loved the psychedelic sound coming out of San Francisco. He wore tie-dye and generally was a peace and love guy. Uh, unlike Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones, Robert Plant wasn't a veteran of London's music scene. He grew up in the more rural Birmingham like his buddy John Bonham who plays the drums. 
plants interests lied at lied outside of the realm of ceremonial magic Okay, he also worked closely with J.R. Tolkien. If you're know, not sure who J.R. Tolkien is, J.R. Tolkien wrote The Hobbit. Uh, so all those spin-off books that came, that all came from J.R. Tolkien. Uh, there's also references to a lot of Led Zeppelin songs referencing uh, J.R. Tolkien. Um, okay, so here's an interesting one. So, uh, Ramble On from Led Zeppelin 2 was the first time something from Middle Earth popped up in the mu music of Led Zeppelin. Robert sang... Mind a tale that can't be told, my freedom I hold dear. How years ago in days of old when magic filled the air. Twas in the darkest depths of Mordor. I met a girl so fair, but Gollum, and the evil one crept up and slipped away with her. Mm -mm -mm. Also, the song Misty Mountain Hop was named after a fictional mountain range on Middle Earth. Um, for those that, rem if you remember the, I believe the first Hobbit song, when the dwarves got together, uh, they're at the inn and they're all kind of, you know, drinking and stuff. And they start singing a song on Misty Mountain. You know, they get to sing in a song. That's where that came from. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let me get more into the... Okay, now. Led Zeppelin's greatest monument to the occult is their fourth album. It's called Number Four. Now, over time, it's been called Zoso by some by mistake... Or simply the runes. Uh, Led Zeppelin 4 is the band's best-selling album and most mysterious. It was released without a title and the band's name is glaringly absent from the album cover. The album cover features a solitary old man with a bundle of sticks tied to his back. Uh, Jimmy Page has tried to popularize the idea that the man on the album cover represents a lifestyle that fosters harmony and with nature. According to Page, the picture was found in a junk store by Robert Plant and then worked into the cover of the band's fourth record. While it's a nice story, it's not true. Now, the picture was created specifically for the album cover and bears a striking resemblance to the English countryman Old George Pickingill. Now, here's the backstory of Pickingill. Pickingill was a turn-of-the-century English cunnycrafter with a rather sinister reputation. Cunningcraft is the practice of English folk magic, and cunning men and cunning women plied their trades and ruled English villages for centuries. Use of cunningcraft was not seen as adversarial to Christianity either, and cunning men were important parts of their communities, much like a blacksmith. Now, instead of being held in high regard by those in his community, as many in his craft would be, he was a social outcast and a figure of fear. Allegedly, he was also the teacher of Aleister Crowley and also English witch Gerald Gardner and founded several witch covens in rural England. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, now while the witch coven stuff has not been verified, Pickingill was a real person and the association with Crowley was a strong one by 1971. Strong enough that the picture is no accident. Okay. Mm, bear with me, bear with me. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, as far as the symbols on the four album, the four runes or symbols which appear on the spine of the record jacket and the album sleeve, each symbol is a reference to one of the four members of Led Zeppelin. 
As none of the band's members' names appear anywhere in the album credits, the idea of the four rune symbols uh, belonging to Page, according to sources, Page and Plant had their symbols custom-made for the record, while Bonham and Jones picked their symbols from a book. Jones has said that he and Bonham's symbols came from Rudolf Koch's Book of Signs, which was handed to him by Page with instructions to pick something out. Jones's symbol is a popular modern rune, depicting a circle in intersected by three oval. The rune stands for integrity and competence. John Bonham's symbol is simply three interlocking circles and either represents the trinity of man, woman, child, or father, son, holy ghost. A bonzo symbol also bore a close resemblance to the logo of for the Ballantine bear. Uh, the Egyptian goddess of truth and justice, Ma'at, inspired plant's symbol of a circle with a feather in the middle of it. Ma'at was the patroness of the pharaohs, and her symbol was the feather. Okay, it's likely that the ideas of truth and justice appeared to plant, or appealed to plant, rather, and he might have been reading a book under the Egyptian dead uh, at the time he crafted his symbol. Now, the most mysterious of the four symbols belongs to Jimmy Page. Uh, the word that pe pe people keep calling the album Zoso is not actually the actual word. Uh, according to Jimmy, the sign has its origins in a series of doodles he jotted down while on the phone in the spring of 1971. Page's symbols bear a strong resemblance to a glyph found in the 16th century book Ars Magica Artifici by Jake Harden. In a section of astrology, I'm sorry. In a section of astrological signs of the Zoso rune appears almost as in 1971. The separate components of the rune sign indicate different things. The stylized Z is a reference to the astrological sign of Capricorn, which is Page's sun sign. The Oso is open to various interpretations. The two most common are that it stands for 666 or that it represents the alchemical symbol for Mercury. Besides the runes, the most mysterious part of Led Zeppelin IV is the song Stairway to Heaven. Uh, now, I've seen it explained as a Christian allegory, or I've seen it as a hymn to Satan. Um, now, let me see. Okay. The most infamous part of Stairway to Heaven is this particular verse here. If there's a bustle in your head grow, don't be alarmed now. It's just a spring clean for the May Queen. Yes, there are two paths you can go by, but in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. Now, the 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 common story is if you play it backwards. Now, I've I've heard this over years, the years and years and years. The people have played this record backwards, and the the power of suggestion is very very. It's weird. If someone suggests something to you long enough over the course of enough times. Yeah, you'll convince yourself you hear it. So I remember hearing this played backwards, and then they actually someone went and typed the words up. So this is what it supposedly says when it, when you play uh, "Stairway to Heaven" backwards. It says, allegedly, "Here's to my sweet Satan, the one whose little path would make me sad, whose power is fake Satan. He'll give those him with him six six six. There was a little tool shed where he made us suffer, sad Satan." <laughs> I I would suggest you do it, you know you do it yourself to see what what you come up with. Um, let me see what else. Now the the technique is called uh, backwards mask. Uh, several um, artists back in the sixties used to do it. Jimi Hendrix did it on um, 
Are you experienced? He played. There's a section of of his solo is played backwards. Um, now, the section is not a. It is a very deliberate technique. It's a basically a fine piece of studio trickery, uh, heavily used in the early seventies. Now, what's so interesting about the Stairway to Heaven Satan problem is that the alleged shout out to the devil can be heard on both live and studio versions of the song. Now, that argues in favor of coincidence, but in all honesty, I wouldn't put a trick like that above Jimmy. Now, now while Zeppelin was always accused of devil worship, uh, the Stairway fear didn't really begin until 1982, when an evangelical radio preacher from California uh, actually tried to play the, the record backwards, and he was, he's the one that pretty much started that rumor, or the, 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 the interest of playing the records backwards to hear the particular Satan part. Um, okay, now let me get to my next part where people started dying around them. Okay, 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 okay. Bookstore, bookstore, bookstore. Okay. Here's, the weird, here's where it gets weird. In February 1970, Plant was nearly killed in a single car crash, requiring some performances in a wheelchair. Then, two months later, Plant's Aston Martin fell on him while he was working under it, crushing his ribs. Now, this is the time when supposedly Paige asked the band to perform a magical ritual with him, a ritual that would bring the band power, uh, unimaginable, and something akin to everlasting life. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, everyone but Paige allegedly got the band... Okay. Page allegedly got the band, minus one, to, jo to join in this solemn and ancient ceremony. John Paul Jones was the only one that did not take part in the ritual. Mm, okay, like I mentioned before, the first evidence of the pact showed up on Led Zeppelin III. Um, okay, written into the vinyl, carved with a stylus into the test pressing acetate more correctly, was, so mote it be, on one side, and do what thou wilt on the other. Okay. Mm -hmm. Getting to the old man. Book of signs. Okay. Celtic symbols. Or I spoke about that. Okay. Okay. Sandy Denny of Fairport Convention. Um, she was on the song called Battle of Evermore. She ended up getting her own uh, symbol as well. Uh, in the credits, her symbol is related to both the Godhead and the power of the female. Okay, according to Pamela Des Desbars, uh, she was a huge groupie back then, and at, at one point uh, was uh, Jimmy Page's main girlfriend. Uh, Jimmy got very deep into the Crowley myth taking her to scour San Francisco and Los Angeles for Crowley uh, memorabilia. She managed to come up with some impressive artifacts, manuscripts, and even the magical robes Crowley wore. Then he bought the mansion in 1970. Okay. London Magazine, Disc and Music Echo feature a cover story in their April 1972 issue entitled Jimmy Page on Magic. I, in his words, I quote, My house used to belong to Aleister Crowley. I knew that when I moved in, magic is very important. If people go, can go through it, 
I think Crowley is completely relevant to today. We're still seeking for truth. The search goes on. End quote. Uh, okay. Visitors to his manor, the Bolski Manor, said that at dusk, the outdoor patio was awash with shadows, phantoms, and ghostly shapes. Residue of decades of conjuring and whatnot, uh, whatever you may believe, maids and servants were quick to turn over an employment. As all agreed, the place was haunted to the point of being uninhabitable and beyond creepy. Page sold the manor in 1992 and had been wary of actually living there, leaving a caretaker in his stead and spending only six weeks living there out of the 22 years he's owned the place. Uh, the place burned down in 2016 with no cause ever found. Now, enter Kenneth Anger. Kenneth Anger was a Crowley disciple and filmmaker. Uh, he was a noted underground filmmaker, drug taker, and sub, uh, subversive. When Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin hatched a plan to ex exercise and levitate the Pentagon, the Pentagon in 1967, people took it as a yippee uh, lark, a stage show. However, Anger was esconded under a truck, busily drawing magical circles, burning incense, enchanting spells, and Enochian truly, and seriously trying to do a real ritual uh, exorcism. Now, when plans for his film Lucifer Rising began to go astray, the lead actor, Bobby Bosele, later convicted of murder as a Manson family member, had to quit. Anton LaVey of the Church of Satan had a cameo, and he had an off-and-on relationship with the Rolling Stones for soundtrack work. Uh, rough cuts and cameras were stolen by uh, Bussolet. To take his revenge, Anger made a magic talisman, one side of which was a likeness of Bussolet and the other of a toad. Uh, on this was written, Bob Bussolet turned into a toad by Kenneth Anger. Bussolet ended up in jail for life for murder within a year. Now, Jimmy Page steps in to do the soundtrack. Now, the music Page produced was genuinely creepy. Some showed up and on the in through the outdoor as the intro to it into the evening. Uh, Anger moved into the Boliskine uh, Manor and they shared their love of Crowley memorabilia. Anger was eventually asked to leave Page's house where he had been living as the relationship degenerated and Page pulled out in 1975. Okay, now this is what this is the weird part. Uh, Anger did a major flame job in the media publicly, but privately said he had cursed Page and the group Led Zeppelin with one huge spell. Uh, Okay, so this is where things kind of went left for Led Zeppelin. First, Robert Plant was yet in another car crash, plunging off a cliff in Greece in 1975, nearly killing him, his wife, and his child, Carrick. This forced a cancellation of the remainder of the physical graffiti tour and postponed the recording of Presence, which Plant was forced to record in a wheelchair. The makeup tour was then plagued by a plethora of highly negative events. A sudden case of laryngitis for Plant after the band had shipped all of their equipment and instruments to the States meant zero rehearsing was possible. Ticketless fans in Cincinnati rioted and stormed the gates, oddly the site of the infamous trampling incident at the Who two years later that killed 11 people. 
In San Francisco, manager Peter Grant and John Bonham roughed up Bill Graham and nearly beat a Bill Graham employee to death. Bonham and Grant narrowly escaped serious charges and incarceration. Then Carrick got sick. The best physicians, money, and private jets could, could buy all had the same answer. We had no idea what is wrong. He passed away in 1977, right after the, the Grant incident. As the band arrived in New Orleans, they got the news. The tour was immediately canceled. Plant quit the band and music in response to Page, and Jones not showing up to his son's funeral. Zeppelin truly seemed cursed. Uh, things seemed to implode. Uh, Page was nearly comatose on a daily basis from a crippling heroin addiction. Bonham's alcoholism raged out of control, and he became increasingly violent and unpredictable. In 1978, Sandy Denny, the goddess of the Battle of Evermore, plunged drunkenly down a flight of stairs and broke her neck and died. Jeez. Finally, in September 1980, John Bonham was sent home blisteringly drunk from a band rehearsal. Handlers tucked him in bed. He only drank 40 or so shots. He said he would be fine. He died in his sleep. Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, the curse, this all took place within, under in the span of five years. Um, only John Paul Jones, the only one not to sign the, the proposal contract, remained unscathed. Okay, Page had said several times in interviews that he was using a system that worked. When asked about Crowley, clearly occult practices were generally involved in, on some level and some creepy and frightening pat, uh, personages danced in the background of the story. Anger does seem to be a demonstrable potential curse source. Okay, things started to backfire just as the band became the worldwide legends they had magically invoked those years prior. Um, now, what's been said that Page had violated the fourth pillar of the OTO commandments to be silent by dropping some larger hints as to what his, uh, in, in, um, what his intro would be in the 1970s interviews, which drew some magical actions, but this is the thing that... Um, we, Personally, gets me. Um, black ma black magicians who mess with this stuff usually they, they do protective spells on themselves, uh, so to you know prevent uh, such melees from other magicians. Um, because black magic is notoriously for either backfiring or not working in the way it's supposed to, collateral damage around events associated with this behavior is well known. Um, okay. So, looking back on Page's career since 1980, his level of addiction to heroin, his lack of production musically, failed Zeppelin reunions, uh, general death of accomplishments, and after new, nearly two decades of brilliance, nothing. Um, and a fairly decent body count to go along with it is enough to make you kind of scratch your head. Uh, let me see what else. Okay, so that pretty much wraps up the uh, the ties with uh, the occult and Led Zeppelin. I mean, there's a little bit more to it, but all that stuff is pretty much filler at this point. So what I'm going to do is take a quick break, and I will be back with you guys in about five minutes. All right. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. Go to my notes. Yeah, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, I remember hearing that the uh, the record played backwards like all over YouTube, and you know they were like, hey, "See, that's where it says Satan. That's where it says Satan." I'm just like, "Yeah." <laughs> yeah. Right, yes, yep, they sure were, they sure were. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Little Nikki? Yeah, little Nikki, yeah, yeah. Honestly, bro, we, we're just going to freestyle. We're going to freestyle the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's it's uh seems to be what I do. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I found ones I could talk about. I sure did. Yeah, all right, found that. Talk about that. No, I, I just found one of my articles I, I wanted to talk about. I totally forgot about it. This is what happens when you get old.
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then um, the John Todd interviews like that was like a main staple. Like you had to, if you know who John Todd was, it's like you don't know what the, the John Todd. I was like, man, it's, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, and you're back with the super uh, with the Morning Star show featuring Super Slide seventy five. I'm your gracious and and tired and humble host, Superslide75. I want to give a shout out to Rod on the boards, our producer extraordinaire, Cindy Ashby. You can always visit us on www.onthewakeupradio.com. We are on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. For the replays, the call-in number is always 678-603-4393. You can find me on the YouTube under Superslide75. Merchandise is always available at teespring.com forward slash superslash 75. Also, donations of any amount are always accepted. It is a labor of love, but we still live in a costly world. If you appreciate the free content, please help us keep the message uncensored and free. You can always donate through PayPal at onthewakeupradio at gmail.com. If you also like advertising slots, please contact us also at, at onthewakeupradio at gmail.com. Um, okay, so one of my... Something else I wanted to talk about real quick. All right, so you know that Facebook owns Instagram. So what is going to happen eventually is Instagram is going to supply is going to, is going to start supplying uh, Facebook your location. Uh, let me pull up the article real quick. Okay, wait a minute, where is it at? Okay. Instagram has been spotted prototyping a new privacy setting that would allow it to share your location history with Facebook. That means your exact GPS coordinates collected by Instagram, even when not using the app, would help Facebook to target you with ads and recommend you relevant content. The geotag data would appear to users in their Facebook profile's activity log, which includes daily maps of the places you've been. Uh, this commingling of data could upset users who want to limit Facebook's surveillance of their lives. Um, see, with Facebook installing its former VP of newsfeed and close friend of Mark Zuckerberg, Adam Masseri, 
as the head of Instagram, some critics have worried that Facebook would attempt to squeeze more value out of Instagram, including driving referral uh, traffic to the main app via spam notifications, inserting additional ads, or pulling in more data. Uh, Facebook was sued for breaking its promise to the uh, European regulations that it would not commingle WhatsApp and Facebook data, leading to a $122 million fine. Uh, Now, a Facebook spokesperson told TechCrunch that to confirm we haven't introduced updates to our location settings. As you know, we often work on ideas that may evolve over time or ultimately not be tested or released. Instagram does not currently store location history. We will keep people updated with any changes to our location settings in the future. That effectively confirms location history sharing is something Instagram has prototyped and that it's considering launching but hasn't yet. Uh, The screenshots come courtesy of mobile research and frequent tech crunch tipster Jane Manchu Wong. Her prior uh, finds like prototypes of Instagram video calling music stickers have drawn no comments from Instagram, but then were officially launched in the following months. That lends credence to the idea that Instagram is serious about location history. Okay, located in the privacy and security settings, the location history option allows Facebook products, including Instagram and Messenger, to build and use a history of precise locations received through location services on your device. It is unclear whether the feature would launch as opt-in or opt-out. As part of a 2011 settlement with the FTC over privacy violations, Facebook agreed that material retroactive changes to the audience that can view the information users have previously shared on Facebook must now be opt-in. But since location history is never visible to other users and only deals with data Facebook sees, it's exempt from that agreement and could be quietly added. If launched as opt-out, most users would never dig deep enough into their privacy settings to turn the feature off. Delivering the exact history of where Instagram users would uh, went could assist Facebook with targeting them with local ads across its family of apps. If users are found to visit certain businesses, countries, neighborhoods, or schools, Facebook could use that data to infer which products they want to buy and promote them. It could even show ads for restaurants or shops close to where the users spend their days. Um, Yesterday, it was reported that Facebook was testing a redesign of its nearby friends feature that replaces the list of of friends locations with a map. Pulling in location history from Instagram could help keep that map up to date. Sources tell TechCrunch that Instagram founders Kevin Systrom and Mike Krieger left the company following increasing tensions with Zuckerberg about dwindling autonomy of their app within a Facebook corporation. Systrom apparently clashed with Zuckerberg over how Instagram was supposed to contribute to Facebook's success, especially as younger users began abandoning the older social network for the newer visual media app. Facebook is under immense pressure to keep up revenue growth despite its running out of news feed, ad inventory, and users switching to stories that advertisers are still acclimating to. Uh, Facebook is in a heated competition with Google for last mile local advertising and will take any advantage it can get. Uh, Basically, Instagram has served as a life raft for Facebook's brand 
this year amidst an onslaught of scandals including fake news, election interference, social media addiction, and most recently a security breach that gave hackers the access tokens for 50 million users that could have let them take over their accounts. <coughs> a survey of 1,153 U.S. adults conducted in March 2018 found that 57% of them did not know Instagram was owned by Facebook. That's crazy. All right. That's that. Um, let's get into some, some other stuff. Now, this guy here, his name is Luis Elizondo. <coughs> Who is Luis Elizondo? Luis Elizondo used to run the top secret advanced aerospace threat identification program, which investigated flying saucers. Now, before I get into what he actually did, he recently said this. Uh, let me pull the gallery. Bear with me, bear with me, it's coming. Okay. Uh, Louis Elizondo ran a program for 15 years. Um, basically, he said as far as the particle accelerators, they, he said in his words that they were speeding up the particles up to light speed and smashing them together to create black holes and how they were working at spacecraft that can, uh, working on spacecraft that can get uh, to Kepler planets that are millions of years away from Earth. And he says we should be ready in about 20 years. Kepler planets... Let's look at what a Kepler planet is. I had it all saved and now just disappear planets. Okay, Kepler planets. Okay, the most popular one is called Kepler 22b. And is an extrasolar planet orbiting within the empirical habitable zone of the sun-like star Kepler-22. It is located approximately 638 light years from Earth in the constellation of Cygnus. It was discovered by NASA in December 2011 and was the first known transiting planet to orbit within the habitable zone of a sun-like star. Kepler-22 is too dim to be seen with the naked eye. Basically, this is where they want to go. This particular region of planets here. Kepler-22b size is roughly the twice the size of Earth. Its mass and surface composition are unknown. An Earth-like composition for the planet has been ruled out. It is likely to have a volatile, rich composition with a liquid or gaseous outer shell. The only parameters of this planet's orbit that are currently available are its orbital period, which is about 290 days, and its in inclination, which is approximately 90 degrees. Uh, evidence suggests that the planet has a moderate surface temperature, assuming that the heat or the surface is not subjected to extreme greenhouse heating in the absence of an atmosphere. <laughs> the planet's first transit was observed on May 12, 2009. There's other Kepler planets. How many have they confirmed so far? Right now, 1,284 planets have been discovered. But these planets, the Keplers, is where they want to go, basically. Okay, 
So getting back to Luis Elizondo. <coughs> Alright, so the program that Luis Elizondo ran uh, had a budget of $16 million a year. Uh, allocated to him annually by the Department of Defense, he ran his program for 15 years. It was run from the fifth floor of the Pentagon's C-Ring in Washington, D.C., uh, former Nevada Democrat Senator Harry Reid pushed for its creation in 2007 with analysis conducted by Bigelow Aerospace of Nevada. Uh, stunned U.S. Navy pilots observed a whole fleet of UFOs that were going against 120 mile per hour winds in one case from 2015. Uh, advanced sensors revealed the unknown object had no propulsion system and slowed to a near stop before rotating, it is claimed. Now, Elizondo has lifted the lid on what he claims has been learned through the Pentagon program about the seemingly out-of-this-world capabilities of UFOs. He said, I think we've come very close to understanding the physics of how it works, and that's very exciting. For the first time, we have a compelling picture that we are seeing is explained in our current understanding of physics, advanced physics, and quantum mechanics. So basically, that means they, they reverse-engineered everything they found. Incredible footage emerged last year of a sighting involving the battleship USS Nimitz in 2004 in the Pacific, o Pacific Ocean off the coast of San Diego. Two U.S. Navy pilots, Commander David Fravor and Lieutenant Commander Jim Slight, watched in amazement as an object appeared suddenly at 80,000 feet before hurtling towards the sea and stopping at 20,000 feet. He said, and I quote, When they approached for a closer look, the 40-foot-long object accelerated like nothing I've ever seen, said Commander Fravor. And now Elizondo believes that they may have an explanation for how UFOs achieve such extreme speed. We do believe all observables we've been seeing, sudden and extreme acceleration, hypersonic velocities, low observability, transmedium travel, and last but not least, positive lift, anti-gravity is really the manifestation of a single technology. So it's not five exotic technologies we're trying to figure out, it's just one. And we think we know that one too. Scientists employed by Bigelow Aerospace, including a physicist named Dr. Hal Pudoff, came to the conclusion that the craft can effectively create their own time-space bubble, which allows them to fly at such incredible speeds. We believe it has to do with a high amount of energy and the ability to warp space-time. So for all you Star Trek fans, when they say warp speed, that's basically what they're talking about. Um, we believe it has the ability to warp space-time not by a lot, but by a little. So um, Dragon Ball Z fans, if you watch the Tournament of Power, uh, the one particular assassin named Hit, he can do a time skip. He can move a couple seconds uh, and time ahead of you like three I think three seconds was enough for him to kind of get enough ahead of you and alter time that way so he had a three-second window so this is sounds similar to what um, is being described here while the US government said that ATIP was closely was closed in 220,000 was closed in 2012 Elizondo claimed he worked on the highly sensitive project until October of last year until he resigned over excessive secrecy and internal opposition. Uh, he believes the existence of extraterrestrials would be beyond reasonable doubt if it was ever discussed in court. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much it. <coughs> so, <coughs> excuse me. 
So for anybody that wants to call in and talk about whatever, the call-in number is 678-603-4393. Once again, that is 678-603-4393. Um, I'm going to make a quick reference of the the, uh, the president of Interpol apparently going missing in China. Now, the funny thing is he's a Chinese diplomat. Uh, he's actually Chinese. So now you have to ask the question, is this guy a double agent? Or did he not do what he was told from the Chinese government? Or why was he allowed to be um, the, the president of Interpol, considering Interpol was more like a UK-based, a European-ran operation? Um, he's been missing for roughly 10 days. Now, there's other rumors or reports that he's been arrested, which has not been confounded or has not been proved valid yet. So, pretty much everybody's looking for this guy. I don't know. This is a pretty jacked up situation as far as how this can go, especially when it comes to China. And the fact that this guy was basically a Chinese diplomat living in Lyon, France. Um, he was there for China. I guess he had to, the word is he was supposed to submit a report to China. They were looking for somebody. And... He has, he's been gone ever since. My guess is he won't show up ever again. And, you know, not to sound like, you know, cold about it, but this is what they do. This is what they do. So with that being said, I'm going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back and uh, get into some more topics. All right. Give me five minutes. I'm really dragging ass tonight. <laughs> yeah, that that usually gets people attention. Like, oh shit, Dragon Ball Z, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey, can I get two songs real quick?
Okay. Um, I want to talk about Puerto Rico, and now it's been, it's now it's the new tax haven. So a lot of rich people, folk have been hiding their money in Puerto Rico of all places. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, every, it's like every decade, it's a new, it's a new place. Like it used to be Switzerland, then it moved to the Isle, the Isle of Man, then the Cayman Islands, and then the Canary Islands, and now it's in Puerto Rico of all places. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, Cayman Islands is still popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is crazy. This is crazy. <clears throat> now, this, this should carry me for the rest of the night, hopefully. No, I'm saying this article alone should carry me for the rest of the night, for the rest of the show. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, welcome back to the Morning Star Show featuring your host, Super Slot 75. I am your host, Super Slot 75. <clears throat> I want to give a shout out to Ron the Boards, producer extraordinaire Cindy Ashby. You can always find us on www.onthewakeupradio.com. We are on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher for the replays. The call in number is always 678 603 4393. You can find me on YouTube. Oh, got a caller on the line. Caller, what's going on? Big dog, talk to me. 
killing them last night. That was so ridiculous, that show they did last night. Talk about it. Bring his wife, the, the Hall of Fame people, bring all their people. He 35 yards. That's, you know, that's a, a couple plays. But no, you watch the sales, you watch Josh Norman. He's in, he's in press coverage. You watch the play, he's in press coverage. That means he's man-to-man. He goes and covers the back like he's a linebacker. That's really what he faked is. It was so scripted that it's just... And, and, you know, if you think of gambling, kioshes being in the stadium, I mean, people that are suckers for that don't have a chance. You know, it's funny. My first red flag was, I'm like, why are they bringing a family on the sideline? Because I'm like, wait a minute. You know, plays kind of go left. People get clipped on the sideline. You know, that's a that's not a safe spot to be. And... Um, and then when exactly. I see, and, and when I seen the play turn, I was like, "Oh my god!" I I, I mean, could you? What could you make it even more obvious than what it was? I, I didn't like that. It was just so blatant. I was just like, "Come on, man!" Like, yeah. you know. right? That's 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 the whole problem. What got me is like at least make a better show of it, but it wasn't even a a good show. Now, now we kind of touched on it on talking back and forth. Um, I knew my man. What was the name? Severin, uh, the B Severin. Yeah. Remember our comment? I used to know. I used to know him because we used to uh, work out in the same gym. He's from Coldwater, Michigan. Okay. And I remember. But did you ever watch the um, Gracie's very first national TV fight? Did you ever watch? That I remember fight? it. Yeah, and uh, I forgot who he fought. It was somebody. It was a some. He, but he, but he, he dominated. Remember? Yeah. It was like. As soon as they got in there, he dominated. I mean, between every round, he just grabbed him and he just held on to it. You and, know? And, it, and for television. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 I was just saying for television, you know, that was like kind of not as exciting, really, just to watch them grapple, you know, for four or five rounds. You know what's even funnier? I, I saw the footage of him and Chuck Norris. And they and they were sparring, and he Chuck he he, he made Chuck tap out. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh yeah, oh but no, watch the films of his grandfather. I mean, you know, if you talk about the history of wrestling, his grandfather, and that dude is about my age, but his grandfather. I mean, you know, jujitsu and mm-hmm. all those kind of arts. You know, that Gracie family was you know hundred years almost in it, but it just didn't make. And and, and, I, and I told you before when Dad fought him. Because, you know, Dan um, did regular wrestling, too. He mm. was wrestling out of, uh, I'm trying to think, that Fort Wayne area. Whatever the wrestling would have been. No, it might have been um, McManus by then. He might have been right wrestling through there, but he had hurt his knee. And so when he fought Gracie, you know, he was already hurt. Yeah. And, you know, Dan was trying to punch him, but he, he got that hurt knee. And, you know, and it was like maybe one or two national fights. Uh, and you just didn't see it for a long time. Yeah. You know, until recently it came back. Yeah, and that was that, that was the only thing about it, the grappling about it, you know. And that's why I thought Kimbo Slice made a bad decision to do that kind of instead of what the football player did in, in Japan that kind, where it's no grappling, it's just punching and kicking. Yeah, Japan was pretty big in like K one. That was the Grand Prix. That that suited his style better. But yeah, um, and plus Kimbo had little legs. Man, he didn't really work his legs like he should have. Like he had little bitty calves and little thighs, you know. So yeah. Because they were looking up for him to, to, to carry on, and he really he really didn't carry it for him. So, so that's just the kind of the, the wild, wild kind of thing today. But I want to drop, let me drop this to everybody. I, I'll give everybody this. So what they just found in science, and if you want to call it that, 
is that copper ions can go through solid crystal, okay? Now, so that should tell you that the better you put copper in the proper way in your system, your system can help you, especially in your awareness. And that's part that won't get calcified as much. But the great part is what I had shared before about copper defects. So again, it's a way to move energy if you can get inside of that crystal where you cannot be discovered by the matter system because you can get through. So I don't know if anybody can use that, but I wanted to add that because I was checking that out recently. So, Interesting. Uh, but uh, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Oh, oh, this is finally what I'll say this is, yeah. It's a, and I don't even want to lie about the bank, but asset protection, they've always used Puerto Rico. Um, I, I, I don't even want to lie and say the name of the bank, but it's a Bahama bank that's big in Puerto Rico, and I can't think of the name of it. It's one of the Bahama banks that uh, asset protection you could go to. I didn't that's, know. You know. That's all, you know, and now, huh? I didn't even know about that until um, I seen the... Uh... The, the stipulation where you you can live there so many days out the year and, and get your your benefits that way. The way the way they're setting it up now. Well, it's just a couple states. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a couple states that that will actually do that for you, and that, that's not really a shell situation. That you can do that with asset protection. I think Wyoming and Nevada. Yeah. You can set up like you were saying in the, the Canary Islands. Yeah. Where they'll give you mailing addresses out of there. It just depends on how much you want to spend to set all that up. Right. And, and that's one thing that since Trump's been president, that because uh, Obama was trying to clear some of that stuff up, but uh, Trump has, has, has released, like, back when the Bushes was president. Mm-hmm. Trump has kind of let that slide again. So that's probably why, now I didn't think about that aspect of it, but that's probably why, you know, they're, they're showing it out there again, saying, yeah, it's back on. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yeah, they're about to, they're about to <laughs> read well, good show, man. I just want to you some I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, big dog. Yeah, all right, man. Thank you. <laughs> all right, that, that was my big bro, Time Lord. Uh, <clears throat> always coming through when I, in the clutch when I need him. So let me get into first. Let me let me thank the uh, the super chatters. Uh, Res the bad guy, big dog. Thank you, sir. Uh, Genesis AD. Thank you, Hammer Time. Always appreciate it. Thank you, th- thank you guys for the super chats. Uh, so let me get into the article regarding the. The new tax haven, well, new old, new old tax haven, Puerto Rico. <clears throat> so let me see, let me see, where is it at? Where is it at? Okay, now the party known as Cocktails and Compliance is so-called mixing alcohol with tax advice was thrown on a Friday evening in May. Uh, the host had kept his guest list confidential. It contained the names of hundreds of ultra-wealthy mainland Americans who moved to Puerto Rico to avoid paying taxes. Uh, more than 1,500 mainlanders have established residency since 2012 when the island rebranded itself as a tax haven and the annual cocktails is at the center of the social calendar. Let me see now. Here it's... Okay. Give me find it out. Okay. Only seven months after had since uh, Hurricane Maria laid waste to the island's power grid and one month remained until hurricane season returned, Residents were showering with pots and plastic cups. Um, a federal judge was trying to mediate between various hedge funds that held billions of dollars of the island's debt. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, 
I'm finding it. I really much Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. Okay, so in 2012, Puerto Rico had passed two laws intended to make the island a global investment destination. Act 20 allows corporations that export services from the island to pay only a 4% tax. Act 22 goes much further. It makes Puerto Rico the only place on U.S. soil where personal income from capitals, gains, interest, and dividends are untaxed. Holy shit, let me write this shit down because, uh, goddammit, I might need this down the road. Okay, in order to qualify for Act 22, individuals must prove to the IRS that they have been become a bona fide resident of Puerto Rico without close contacts on the mainland. The kicker is most native Puerto Ricans are not eligible for the exemption. Um, let's see. Okay. Though the law requires him to spend at least okay, the law the law requires you to spend at least 183 days a year on the island. Um, that gives him the right to claim it. They basically claim he's a Puerto Rican. Uh, the mainlanders who have re relocated are not quite Forbes list billionaires who have access to more complex tax strategies than leaving town. They belong to the middle class of the ultra rich. They are the new money people who might not have their congressman's cell phone number, but who wield influence here in Puerto Rico. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, Harry Dent, the best-selling finance writer who established residency in Puerto Rico two years ago, Dent's latest book, Zero Hour, foresees an imminent economic winter season that will eclipse the Great Recession, due in part to the shortage of consumers occasioned by the bottoming out of the birth rate in 1973. Puerto Rico appealed to him because it was cheaper than Miami and offered excellent small airports. He also got to keep his American citizenship though he had to give up his right to vote for president. Okay, he says... Damn it. He says, we've got a civil war going on, red versus blue. We've got 4% unemployment, and I feel safer being here than in Miami or New York. The world's going to shit, and that doesn't mean Puerto Rico won't go down further, but they, can, they, already, but they are already weighed down. Our bubble hasn't even burst yet. Let's see. Okay. And so various tax uh, guys. Okay. To comply with Act 22, Nisman said it all came down to what everyone called making days. If you spend fewer than 183 days a year on the island, the feds could recoup all the taxes you hadn't been paying. The good news was there that there were a lot of ways to obey the letter, if not the spirit of the law. There was the one-minute rule. A single minute or uh, single minute on the island counts as a full day as far as the IRS is concerned. You can touch down your Learjet, get a receipt at the airport Starbucks, then continue on to the Virgin Islands for dinner. The local government could be accommodating as well. Wow. In 2017, all Puerto Rican tax exiles got a 117-day award due to Maria. Okay. A Puerto Rican-born lawyer specializing in Act 22 compliance who asked for anonymity to speak about his work told me that he, had no, he no longer represents clients seeking to relocate because people were taking advantage. 
He described a prospective Act 22 recipient saying, I'll take my private jet and fly down. Then I'll take my boat and go somewhere else. They won't know. Wow. Uh, <laughs> this is hilarious. Okay, and it's different stories, different stories. Okay. As a rule, tax hackers in Puerto Rico live in one of two neighborhoods. Single people favor the beachfront in Condado, which has easy access to hotel bars and nightclubs. Married people like the Rills prefer Dorado Beach, where the Ritz-Carlton runs a hotel and residential enclave. In Dorado, the couple bought two units and combined them. I'm told I have the largest condo on the island. I'm in 8,000 square feet. The acts used to require that mainlanders buy property, but like most of their requirements, including a stipulation to employ five local residents, it was erased by subsequent revisions meant to entice more wealthy people to relocate. Real was emphasizing his footprint because it demonstrated his investment in the island. No close contacts on the mainland for him. Some people I know have tried to play fun and games. We don't want the schemers here. Okay. Lauren Cassio, 30, moved to the island six years ago. There were incentives here she didn't have elsewhere, like a tax credit for manufacturing and the ability to hire from an incubator for Puerto Rican-born engineers. Let's see. Everyone I employ is Puerto Rican. I live a Puerto Rican life. I'm not making days. Okay, while Real, Casio, and Ortiz could speak convincingly about the positive effects of the tax policies, they were not the most ardent believers in Act 22. That distinction went to an independent stock trader by the name of Lobo Tiguer. Um, he and his wife had arrived as residents four minutes before midnight on December 31st, 2013. He says, I believe it is my moral duty to minimize my taxes. And Act 22 was a legal way to pay the absolute least. Wow. He says if people are too stupid to voluntarily agree to band together and defend themselves, he said, then maybe they deserve to be conquered by Attila the Hun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, one person asks if Act 22 had delivered on its promise of lifting the island's economic fortunes. They come all the time. They spend money. They buy apartments. They do investments on the island. I mean, I guess it's fantastic. If they didn't have these guys coming down, then they would be in really big trouble. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is unreal. Okay, in San Juan, I often heard some version of the following aphorism. A few percent of something is better than 39% of nothing, meaning the few tax dollar or the few dollars we contribute in sales and property tax is better than the zero dollars we contribute if the incentives hadn't drawn us down here. Um, who will come to a bankrupt island to pay high income taxes? Uh, Act 22 was only the latest tax incentive cooked up by the government. The economy here used to run on sugar. When the price of sugar sank in the 1930s, the island began offering tax breaks to corporations that opened factories here. In the short term, the, po the policy ignited a boom. Workers sued clothing, star kissed canned tunas, uh, factories turned out paper, cement, and glass.
When manufacturing collapsed in the 70s, the federal government engineered a second boom by enticing pharmaceutical companies to relocate, relocate to the island. In 1989, Pfizer got $156,000 and $400 in tax breaks per employee. That's $156,400 in tax breaks per employee. By 2004, they were reportedly manufacturing 100 million Viagra pills in Barcelona. In, I'm sorry, in Barceloneta. Uh, to sell Act 22, the Secretary of Economic Development met privately with financiers in cities across the United States, and the government hosted an investment summits in San Juan. In 2015, Rudy Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani gave the keynote address. Bloggers predicted the next Singapore, the next Dubai, the next Hong Kong. Uh, the rationale is these individuals will never consider Puerto Rico in the first place, never consider bringing their capital and wealth on the island. He stressed the importance of, of bringing diversity, people with all kinds of backgrounds, investment bankers, consultants. He has never turned down an application under Act 22. Rafael Bernabe, a professor of literature at the University of Puerto Rico and two-time candidate for governor on the Working People's Party ticket doubt that the new laws would be any more durable than those that came before. They can't think of anything besides new versions of the same policy. Let's try and invite wealthy people. That's a drop in the bucket. They will hire a few gardeners, create few jobs for a few more waiters. Bernabe suggested that the government had kept the initiatives hidden in gated communities and hotel conference rooms entirely by intention. Having a little island of affluence in the middle of a in the midst of a crisis, the more hidden it is, the better. When people find out, they will say, "Motherfucker, why why can't the government find some programs to help me?" Well, I said they claim a few percent of something is better than thirty nine percent of nothing. He says, "If I'm a beggar in the street, and they gave me something, I will say thank you. But it, it would be better if it, if I wasn't a beggar." That's crazy. That is indeed crazy. Okay, so that's pretty much it as far as the tax haven in, in Puerto Rico. Wow, so 183 days a year, considered a resident, and 4% um, tax rates from your capital gains. That's insane. Cindy said, half an acre beach front for 75 grand. That's not bad at all. <laughs> that's not bad at all. All right, if you guys have questions, the call-in number, as always, is 678-603-4393. Once again, I want to give a shout-out to Round the Boards, producer extraordinaire Cindy Ashby. We are always on www.onthewakeofradio.com. Don't laugh. It's late. I'm tired. I'm sleepy. And we're also on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher for the replays. Uh, you can find me on YouTube under SuperSlide75. Uh, <laughs> and merchandise is always available on. Uh, oh, we got a caller. Hello, caller. How's it going? What? What's the word, bro? Ah, chilling, man. Chilling, man. You know, this is the mahogany heathen iron five, man. The caller said, "What's up to you, man?" My man, go ahead. Let it let it fly, brother. What's on your mind? Oh no, nah, man. I just, I just, man. I'm gonna be just chilling, man. Trying to conjure up a demon to bring me some money. <laughs> I stop. I stop. Yeah. I ain't mad at it. No, man. What's up? No, you good. <laughs> 
business with people now. I guess the partner he's keeping up with. Yeah. About your location, I want to know more about that because I can hear about this. Um, you know what? I will post the link. Uh, in the, in the uh, in the comments, I just found out about it a couple of days ago. To be honest with you, because I don't, I really, I'm really on Facebook as is. So okay. yeah, I'm really on that motherfucker. Like, I I I pretty much abhor um uh Facebook these days, Instagram prototypes. Here we go. Got it. Yeah. So let me post Got that you. link Got in the uh, yeah. let me post that link for you in in the uh, comments. Uh, what else is on your mind tonight? Nah, that was it, man. I just, you know, I guess I'm joining this information, man, taking my notes, man. I just ain't have much to say. I just want to kind of hear more about this. So like I say, I, this is my first time. This is the first person I heard mention that. So I just want to call in and see, you know, get, try to get more information about that. That's what's up, bro. I appreciate that. You know, because, you know, my social media... You know, thumbprints is going to be all the strip clubs of Atlanta. You know, and I can't have that. You know, I know. I, right I understand. You know, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my man. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Got to keep that pimping flowing. I understand. Got to keep that ism going. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> wow, excuse me. Right throat, I guess. Um, so yeah, anybody else got any questions you want to call or chime in? The number is 678-603-4393. I got about what 20 minutes of airtime left. I kind of want to end it on a good positive note. Uh, let's see what else. Um, let's see what's going on in, in urban stuff today. Oh, yes. Uh, Mike Epps uh, so eloquently spoke on The Breakfast Club and um, spoke about the gatekeepers, not only just in comedy and Hollywood, but just gatekeepers, period. Um, I, I applaud him for saying the truth. Um, clearly, you know, the situation that Cat is going through because he's being held as a, as a damn fugitive. So what's going to probably end up happening is they're going to extradite him back to Georgia for some bullshit ass charges. Um <laughs> I mean, my thing is, I re I like Cat, I respect Cat, but it's like, yo, bro, like, you know they're going to come after you every time you say something against one of their puppets, you know, and um, I just wish he would just kind of just chill out on that shit, man, because it's, I mean, how many times you had to go keep going through this, you know, they kick you out, they let you back in, they kick you out, they let you back in, like, I, I couldn't do it, I, I would be tired, I'd be like, you know what, I'm going to shut up and not go after the puppets and just get my money and do what I can, I, what I came here to do, um, but yeah, but Mike Epps, he laid it out for everybody, um, clearly Kevin Hart, uh, you know, is, is protected to the point where, you know, if they feel that you're going to hurt his brand, uh, they will, they will make you shut up, or they will make you, they will punish you for that, so, um, it is what it is, like, we, we've had this before with other, uh, Comedians like just pretty much come out of nowhere. I'm not saying he came out of, came out of nowhere, but you know the talent level is not there for for what he all his accolades and his uh, his rewards. You know, like yeah, he worked hard and all, but does his talent level match what he's receiving? You know, he's really not that great of a comic a comedian. He's not really funny. He's more silly, if anything. You know, so I, I can't imagine what 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 Kev uh, has to give up eventually down the road i mean just had a little boy 
Um, he has, what, two other kids? At some point, somebody got to go. Let's, let's just say what it is. I know it sounds, you know, harsh when you're talking about people's children and stuff, but at some point, somebody got to go. It, it you know, may not be no time soon, but you just look at the uh, the amount of stardom he's received and the monies he's made and just, you know, he's all over the fucking place. Like, this dude is a bona fide international star, you know, so, um... I'm checking the cat. I'm checking the chat. It's not about it's not about him being better than anybody. It's just they see a use for him, and he's fulfilling his uh, his use to them. And people are falling for it at the end of the day, and it's working. And his power, influence, and sway, and he's being highly rewarded for it. And um, you know, if you talk bad about the guy, obviously the hammer will come down on you. You know, so I, I just wish Cat would just kind of just chill on that shit, man. Just be like, yo, just. Do your, do your shows, bro, and just, just live in peace, man, because you're not going to win these battles. You're, you're just not. You're not. You're outmanned. You're outgunned. Um, you don't have enough money to fight these people. Just I'm not, I'm not saying you cower and lay down and, and give up the fight, but, yo, some battles you're just not worth the fight. This is one. He can't win this war, you know. Um, and then what he said about Tiffany Hatch was true. She's not funny at all. And I, <coughs> I had recently seen um, Girls Trip maybe two months ago for the first time and I was just floored at, at, at how just raunchy her character was. Like just not all the ladies, but hers was so over the top, just so disrespectful and just like it just made sisters look hella bad in the entire light, you know, but it is what it is and this is what people choose to put their energy towards and this is what they get in return. So, you know, obviously somebody out there likes that bullshit. Cindy, do not do you know? Cindy, don't go see. Don't go. Do not watch Girls Trip. Just don't. It it's it's bad. It really is bad. It's pretty bad. I mean, it's four dysfunctional sisters, and um, you know, it, it's it was it was it was pretty deplorable. So, <coughs> with that being said, let me take a quick break, and I will wrap this thing up in about ten in the, for the last ten minutes. All right, so give me one moment. I'll be back in about five. No. As soon as I get done, I'm going straight to sleep. Straight to sleep.
Yeah, he, uh, and now, you know, they, they hold him as a fugitive. So now, you know, when, when, once you get that slap on you, you basically have no right to that at that point. So I guess he had a warrant out, um, some, some in Georgia. So more than likely he'll be going back to Georgia for some, for some nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, it, it ain't worth it. Like, oh, I mean, I get it. You don't like what you're seeing out of these comedians and stuff, and I get it. But man, just let's let it go. Like, mm-hmm. Right. Right. That yeah, that that was pretty bad. <laughs> that was bad. I mean, if you be with some kids, that's not a good look regardless, so. So he, that was, he, he was kind of in a no-win situation with that. Oh, that's right, that's right. I remember that. I remember that. Right, that's right. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that shit was terrible. That shit was bad, man. It was, man. That shit was, I'm like, <laughs> man, I was just, I was floored. I was floored. So. Yeah.
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty much it, yeah. Yeah, it's the it's like the worst stereotypes to get the you know to get the joke and it's like you don't have to do all that, but you know. <laughs> I mean, I ain't mad. I mean, you gonna cross over and sell out? I mean, I mean, you got to. Yeah, right. I'm not even mad. I'm not even mad. Get your, yeah, get your money. Get your money. <laughs> right. Okay. All right, welcome back <clears throat> to the Morning Star Show featuring Super Slot Seventy Five. I am your host, Super Slot Seventy Five. <clears throat> I want to give a shout out to Around the Boards, producer extraordinaire Cindy Ashby. Uh, you can find us on www.onthewakeofradio.com. We are also on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher for the replays. The call-in number is always six seven eight six zero three four three nine three. You can find me on. YouTube on the Super Slot 75. Merchandise is always available at uh, teespring.com forward slash Super Slot 75. All right, so in our last um, a bit of news, just nonsense. Oh, wow, this is funny. Okay, so <clears throat> a new research confirms that online shoppers are buying clothes just to take pictures and returning the purchase. This is why, like, Amazon is cracking down on the returns. Jeez, um, man, who does this? Like, this is what social media has reduced everybody, or most people, down to. Um, they, they've converted the, the process for you getting validation to online and social media. Therefore, you, you, it's a quicker way for you to get cheap endorphin highs basically through likes and hearts um, responses you know even negative comments all uh, responses is somehow it some way fuels uh, triggers a response and and you know releases endorphins it's a moderate quick high it's not even a real um, a real genuine high per se like not it's like it's not like validation from a genuine love uh, person that cares about you it's just random strangers liking your stuff and thus fueling your ego and you know shout out to Bobby Hammett because he told us about the, the glamour and the ego how it, it is the main downfall the main cause of, of issues with a lot of people with their personality disorders is always the ego um, <clears throat> so just another example of just how social media has literally dumbed the majority of people down to just you know to, to the intelligence level of a snail. Um, this is pretty sad. But we see it all the time. And the funny thing is, we don't normally comment on that because you don't want to come off as a hater or, you know, 
someone who uh party pooper or you know kill joy things of that nature so what is right is wrong and what is wrong is been totally right mm. it's only gonna get worse from here on out basically um also last bit of news um trump <clears throat> broke the truce um between the, the u.s and china there was an extending um agreement that the u.s would not sell uh, weapons to taiwan um trump has decided to buck that agreement and actually sell weapons to taiwan because now china wants taiwan back in, in its province so uh there was a u.s warship that was refused um permission to dock in uh in a chinese port so right now you have a lot of people behind the scenes scrambling to kind of fix that mess um i love it and I know people are like, oh, you know, it's the fall of Babylon. It's coming in the end of the world. Yeah, you listen. If you, it's not going to end in our lifetimes. I just don't see that happening. Will things get bad? Yes. And will shit be fucked up? Yes. But as far as um, you talk about the the war, the, the Armageddon and Gog and Magog and the, the Great Dragon rising, and we're not going to see none of that. <laughs> we're just not. It's just not. It's not time yet. So. Would your kids see it? I doubt that as well, too. But like I said, no one knows the time. But I just think um, this is all funny to me how Trump has just come in and just really fucked everybody's heads up and just done whatever the hell he wants. And I love it. Um, this is not, for me, not about um, race or, uh, you know, race pride or anything like that. Like, he's really disturbing the, the, the oligarchs. And I, I think people are just so blinded with... The nonsense with the nonsense with the Kavanaugh hearings, um, things of that nature. Um, like he's really messing a lot of things up for people. Um, apparently, you know, international warrants will be at some point um, provided against uh, or re or re re submitted against the Bushes, the Clintons, and and Obama as well too. Um, you won't see anything happen to these guys for a long time. I mean, look at the Clintons. They've been around for what, the last 30 years, pretty much, and they, they're still doing what they do best. But eventually, um, the warrants will get get through to them. And, you know, we may see it in our day. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't. But um, Obama's on that list, too, as well. So for all you people that claim you voted for Obama, I look forward to the day when they when they bring him down as well and y'all are just going to be so heartbroken and, and, the, and all the, the dirt comes out and you guys are going to be so disgusted and disheartened and at your, uh, you know, and I'm using air quotes, your first black president, yada, yada, yada. <clears throat> but it's neither here nor there. I don't want to drag this out no more longer. If you guys got any questions or call uh, comments you want to get in before I, before the show ends, the, the call-in number is 678-603-4393. If not, uh, let me see. Is there anything else I want to mention? I don't think there's anything else. I don't think so. Nope, I'm not going to make you guys suffer. That's pretty much it. So I'm going to let Ron know that it's a wrap. And I'll catch you guys on the next show. And I thank everybody for hanging out with me. Oh, yo, shout out to Haitian Fab for the super chat. I'm sorry, Haitian Fab, Hammer Time, Genesis AD, Reg the Bad Guy. Thank everybody in the chat for, for uh, 
you know, staying up with me and, and um, these, these comments in the chat is just hilarious. I have two funeral dresses. OMG. OMG. So with that being said, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. I thank everybody for the, for the time and energy. And we'll do, do this again in two weeks, roughly. And with that being said, love and light. You guys have a good night, all right? Peace. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, cool. See, when you say that next time, it's going to be all the crazy callers, too. I see you and already spoken into existence. I'm going to get all the, all, all the crazy ones next week or next time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that, bro. You too. Okay. Peace. All right, all you crazy people in the chat. Um, Thank y'all for hanging out. I'm looking at these comments because I know y'all said some crazy shit in these comments. Wait a minute. Cindy said, I don't buy shit I don't need. I show up to your wedding in my job interview black suit and to the damn funeral. God damn it. Damn it, Cindy. God damn it. Wait a minute. People been doing that? Returning clothes? Mama and them used to do that in the 80s from Macy's. Where the damn tag address the people went. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Information man. <laughs> Bro, what's your, uh, you know, I'm going to email you right now. I don't want you yelling at me. Let me, let me, let me email you right the fuck now, because I do not want you yelling at me. Um, let me see, let me see. Yeah, I mean, there we go, information man. Peace, bro, I'm about to hit you up right now. How fun they looking for you. <clears throat> Alright information man, I got you. I just hit you up. <clears throat> Alright, so yo, I'm gonna wrap this up because my throat is like really scratchy. Slide Jackson with the fresh on say slide back. Hey yo, no, hey, hey Tim, yeah, next time next time on the O'Shea show, I'm I'm gonna do the black frames. Yes, we're gonna do the run DMC thing. We we're going to do that. We're going to do that. So. <laughs> um, shit. 
So let me get up out of here. You guys go ahead and get out of here. I thank everybody for hanging out with me. And uh, you guys have a good night, okay? All right, peace.